Welcome to the Noble Eight Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbelay, and this evening, while it's been slightly more than a week since the last podcast, so I thought it was time that I went through the grocery list worth of stuff that I have to talk about, in no particular order. I've been reading Avatar books recently, uh, read Bruce Damer's and Sue Wilcox's, they're separate Avatar books, from 1997 and 1998 respectively. It really was just a golden time of computing back there, that's quite strange to read these texts. I remember... I can't remember which one. I must, it must have been Sue's because Bruce gave me his only a couple of years ago, but I remember reading Sue Wilcox's and at the time thinking the kind of computers that you'd need to own in order to make these applications come alive, in order to make your avatars live and move around and look remotely realistic was just far beyond my scope, I think, at the time in Australia. And now reading it, it seems just about the right kind of processing level. It's funny, actually, because I'm reading both books in the similar kind of time frame to actually creating Noble Ape skeletons and exoskeletons, which you'll remember from perhaps a couple of podcasts ago. This work has left me thinking that I should concentrate on the skeletal movement first and then worry about the exoskeletons once the skeletal movement is looking reasonable. And as these things tend to happen, I've gone back to the Noble Ape source code with the view to make it networkable. And part of this comes through Intel's development for end processors of the Noble Ape simulation, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be possible just to put it over a network as well? An interesting little piece of kind of nerd code stuff associated with Noble Ape. The randomization previously had been attached to the landscape, weather level of the simulation, and I think you could leave the weather and the landscape to just run through the multi-dimensional equations, or in the case of the weather, the planar equations that appear to be multi-dimensional, and just leave those running without any random interaction. The randomization is then intertwined solely with the Noble Ape's movement, while perhaps to a certain extent the cognitive simulation as well with regards to the information that's fired into that. But the only real randomization factor will be associated with the, the basic movement that the Noble Ape has in some of the cognitive simulation. And that's really interesting, because that means that the random number rather being a global can actually be attached to each ape individually. Now once you do that, the whole simulation moves into even more autonomous parts that could either be atomized through the event-driven part of the simulation or, alternatively, could be put over a network. And I think that's a fascinating thing. It's not a lot of additional code, so that's what I'm doing currently in parallel with developing the noble ape skeletons and seeing them kind of stagger around, or at least work out how to make them stagger less and move slightly more gracefully. In parallel to this, I've been writing a bit of music because what I want to do once I have the Noble Ape skeletons up and running perfectly is to produce a little dance music video with them kind of dancing around to some of my current music, which I think would be rather amusing and probably form some kind of thing in and of itself. I've been playing with a little bit of YouTube and a little bit of Google videos, so put the old Barbelay name into that, you'll see some somewhat interesting clips, and I think all of them are either Noble Apple podcast related.
debated. I was actually debating doing a video podcast, but really I have a, a face for audio podcasting, and you don't want to scare the children. Another interesting thing, bringing all of these things together, is the idea that once I have a skeleton, an exoskeleton, I could drive the noble apes movement as if they were avatars, i.e. the cognitive simulation would drive the noble ape movement as if they were a player controlling an avatar. And that seems to be an interesting movement in the kind of cognitive physical dichotomy that has always been prevalent in the simulation so far. I received an email from Matthew C, who I'll be emailing with regards to getting an Oblate t-shirt very shortly, about why I had chosen the graphics as they are now. And it's interesting that it's not really been through choice, but actually it's been more through just the circumstances of starting with very primitive processes that have ended up with the graphics as they are today. But it's all possibly going to change in the very near future. What it will take on my part is probably quite a bit more work. But curiously, when I recorded the previous podcast, I didn't talk at all about the kind of logical, staggering narration that seems to come through developing artificial life and being attached to various artificial life communities, because I'm now also writing for the Grey Thumb blog. I've been a long-term fan of Grey Thumb. I frequently editorialised Grey Thumb in this podcast and in biota.org, and it's wonderful to be attached formally to Grey Thumb through their blog. It's something where I think I've only posted one official post so far, aside from my introduction, and that alluded to the fact that Bruce Damer and I may be working on a contemporary version of his Avatars book, which won't be the originally described book project, which still appears to be on the kind of simmering stage with a number of agents that are still thinking very deeply on whether they want to get involved with this artificial life thing, but will be more specifically associated with Avatars. Now, curiously, both Sue Wilcox and Bruce Damer's books talk about biota.org and talk about the potential of artificial life. So this is really what I talked about in the Graytham post, with reference more specifically to the Andy Phelps interview that I took about 18 months ago. And what Andy Phelps was talking about was an artificial life SDK, which is basically a tool that uh, game programmers in this case can use to put artificial life into their games very easily. A set of functions, a set of functionality that can easily be rolled into games. And the question I posed to the Grey Thumb blog for no posts so far, or no responses or comments so far, is what did the Grey Thumb community and the people that read the blog think should be in such a developer kit that would be included in various games to create, I don't know, familiars in a fantasy game or uh, maybe a robots in a futuristic game or potentially in a jungle simulation, all kinds of jungle creatures and plants that were partially alive and all this kind of exciting stuff which is currently all very heavily scripted and in no way associated with artificial life at all, like some people are kind of crossing fingers with a few names coming out in the near future. My feeling is that artificial life in games, but particularly the MMO games, which I'll be tracking in particular with the new Avatars book, if we work in that direction, these are relatively to completely devoid of anything even remotely looking like artificial life. Second Life, Linden Labs did put out a press release saying they were putting artificial life into Second Life, but I'm not really holding my breath. I don't think Bruce Damer is either. But that'll be an interesting project if it comes together. 
Twitter. It's still early days, but it would be nice to have Barb Lay on a book. It would also be nice to talk about contemporary artificial life in a book context. So, that may be an interesting project in the near future. In the interim, I'm interviewing Steve Grand this weekend, which will go into the feed, and the final Steve Grand interview has been a holding pattern for a number of other interviews, so I hope to clean the slate with people in the holding pattern for biota.org interviews, and then maybe get back to some chats and conversations and stuff. John Klein is one of the people in the holding pattern, I think, with regards to doing a chat. So it'd be wonderful to talk to John again in a to-and-fro circumstance. There are still t-shirts available from the podcast 411 interview, and if you want to get a Noble 8 t-shirt, I recommend you get in quickly, because I think I might change the design. And if you want to get the current Noble 8 t-shirt selection, the best way is to get in contact and get one via contact, or perhaps even buying one, maybe. I'm thinking of releasing some Biota t-shirts in the near future as well, so that will give two t-shirt options. I don't think I'll be putting any profit component on the Biota t-shirts. I put a couple of bucks on the Noble 8 ones because I give away so many Noble 8 t-shirts, I just roll the profit directly into the t-shirt giveaways. So that seems to work out very well. Tom at Noble8.com if you have any ideas, any interesting questions or topics for a podcast. The Matthew fellow who emailed me I don't know whether I've given a kind of true breadth to his questioning with regards to the Noble graphics, but I do thoroughly encourage people to email me, and if they don't feel that I'm covering their topics with sufficient breadth or depth, email me again. Tell me they'd like me to talk on specific components, or alternatively, when you first get in contact, send me a long list of questions. I do get them occasionally, and I do uh, editorialise them and answer them in the podcast. So thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.